Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, on this beautiful day. You know, the day just got a whole lot sunnier because I just heard our president give his support for gay marriage. <laughs> Excellent. Which is awesome for me because I'm gay. Thank you, President Obama. A long time coming. I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was just sitting here. not I didn't know that, that, that he had uh, come out with that statement. But it's very nice because it's been a bummer sort of with the whole North Carolina thing in the news. Right. For me. Um, so take that. <laughs> take that, North Carolina. <laughs> Um, also a lovely day to take your dog for a walk. Excellent day for that. Regardless of your dog's sexual orientation, they all (laughs) like to go for walks. Um, just kidding about that. Um, yeah, you know, it's so much easier for people when the weather gets nicer. Um, but I encourage people to not shy away from bad weather because most dogs, some dogs really do hate bad weather and they prefer to stay inside and play a game of find it, mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, but most dogs, um, they don't care about a little bit of rain and, you know, to get them out anyway. Brave the weather. We are in Seattle, after all. You know, I just uh, tangently related here uh, because we often, we always start the show uh, by saying, what a great day to take your dog for a walk. And I would say 99% of the time that statement has been very, <laughs> very true because for some reason, this hour on Wednesdays, usually there's a break in the clouds, and it's actually a, a, a nice time to take your dog for a walk. But I actually heard an interview this morning talking about how new attitudes and new ideas about uh, exercise for people. And they say that walking uh, is about as beneficial an exercise as you can do. So people that think like, oh, I've got to run, I've got to, you know, I've got to join a gym, I've got to do all these things. Yeah. As far as getting healthy, walking apparently is about as good an exercise as you can do. And so if you've got a dog, uh, then, you know, of course, there's that motivation to get out there and yeah. walk as well. So you benefit both you and your dog. So I yeah. think that's great. Well, and if if they say that for people, mm-hmm. then I would assert that it's it would probably reason, also yeah. true for dogs. Mm-hmm. Well, in walking too, I mean, running, uh, you know, I've never really been a big runner. I've mm-hmm. played competitive sports and stuff, but I've never been like a marathoner. Mm-hmm. But I know plenty of people who are like really heavy runners who pay f- their bodies really, I mean, it, it, their knees especially, it's kind of rough on the price, body. Yeah. yeah, I've been dancing a lot. I nice. know, yeah, that's part of my... Uh, Weight loss. I've talked a little bit about. Are you this dancing with your dogs? Because I used I'm to not do that. dancing with my dogs. <laughs> no, um, which re- reminds me of the merengue dog as well. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is a golden retriever that was doing all sorts of. If, if you don't know what I'm talking about, yeah. people out there, YouTube then you it. should YouTube it. Yeah, because yeah. the merengue dog is amazing. Yeah, well, I've been I've been dancing, and it's I've noticed it as I've also I've done lots of different forms of exercise, and I was going to a gym and kind of doing the weights and, you know, and one, I just dread it. And two, my, uh, one of our advertisers, Robert Meduzia, he's at the acupuncture and sports clinic of Kirkland. He's amazing at what he does. He does a lot of massage as well as acupuncture. He works with a lot of athletes and he was like, what are you doing? Because your muscles are all closing up and, you know, tightening, Mm -hmm. which is not, you know, not not actually good, um, especially not for me because I'm 
I'm bulky enough. I don't need more muscle mass. I need to lengthen. You know, okay. I'm not stringy. So uh, anyway, I've been dancing and I've been loving it. But uh, it's a, a very interesting the the walking thing. That, yeah, uh, I thought that was I thought that was very cool because yeah. I I like to walk uh, places a lot. You know, and sometimes I think well. I should really join a gym or something and get, you know, really toned and all that stuff. But when it comes to actually just being healthy and living a a long life, they say that uh, uh, you prolong, you get the most bang for your buck. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. If you walk on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Excellent. With your dog. With your dog is very helpful or without if you don't have a dog. But, uh, you know, it certainly motivates you to get out there and take a walk. And if you don't have a dog, but you love dogs, Mm -hmm. you could go to the shelter and volunteer to walk the dogs there because they are just desperate for a lot of things. That's One a good point. One of those point. things is exercise. Something I never thought of. Yeah, there you go. Or, Eric, you could walk your cats maybe. <laughs> you know, I've tried that, <laughs> and they're not as not keen so on much. it as, as I would like them to be. Yeah. But. So, uh, Eric, noticed you asked me today if I've ever worn glasses before in the studio, and in fact, I have, but... You know, I can't picture you with glasses before this, but now you've got these new glasses, and they really stand out. They're very striking. It's because the glasses that I wore before were nothing to notice, Hmm. but these ones... Now, be honest with me. Were you wearing glasses on a regular basis that I just didn't notice? No. Okay. But I did, I, I don't know. On several occasions, I'm sure, because I need them to see. The... Apparently, I need glasses. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, the front of my glasses, I want to. I was very intentional. I got my first, so it was my first pair of glasses I got about a year mm-hmm. ago. I just got them at Costco because it was easy and whatever. And you know, they weren't very comfortable long term, and they weren't, you know, they weren't anything to really notice, like mm-hmm. style wise. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get new glasses. And I wanted to be very intentional intentional about supporting a local neighborhood mm-hmm. frame shop or optical shop. So I kind of checked out a few places. And then I went to my, the most local for me was, is Wink Eyewear in Columbia City. And uh, walked in and the woman that was working at the, when I walked in, she just kind of took a look at me. I think we exchanged a few sentences and she just went over and grabbed this pair and it was exactly what I was looking for and they're so cool because the front face of the frame is made out of a vinyl record like album yeah but you don't know what album it's from I don't well because you could be walking around with some album that you hate on your face it's not likely (laughs) <laughs> or it could be something that you love. You just don't know. Yeah. Are you going to put that on your, your record player to see? <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> Scratch up Scratch the lenses. Scratch up the lenses, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. So uh, anyway, <laughs> Wink Eyewear, I wanted to give them a plug. I'm just hoping it's the Barking Dogs record because <laughs> that would be appropriate for you, Julie. Yeah, some sort of, uh, maybe maybe it's a theme song to this show, Traveling Wilbury's End of the Line. There you go. Maybe it's Whitney Houston. That'd be cool, too. That that might be, you know. For me, Eric. Yeah. For me. <laughs> if it's I Will Always Love You, though, that might be a tearjerker. Do you know what? You might I'm not want your glasses talk... to be tearjerkers. No, I'm actually going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, anyway, Wink Eyewear. Not only did they have. you got to say it like this. Wink. Wink Eyewear. eyewear. Yeah. Not only did they have the frame of my dreams and the customer service is awesome. And that's another thing that you do tend to get with local businesses mm-hmm. is just really awesome customer service. So 
And, oh, the you know, most important thing is that they have a resident dog there. So when I walked in, I was like, oh, this is the place. There for you sure. go. And then it was. His name is Bongo, and he's a mini doodle. And uh, he's a very nice dog, and he was very helpful, too. So Nice. Yes. I think they carry those mini doodles in the uh, vending machine here in the, <laughs> in the kitchen. Hostess? <laughs> yes. I think Hostess makes those. Hostess. Either that or Nabisco. Mini doodle. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to talk today. I've got a lot of stuff to talk about. No guests today. Um, but there's, you know, I've talked a little bit b- before um, about, like, so, you know, I if you're new to the show or if you're just tuning in, um, you know, I do this radio show. It's all about dogs. So I've, I've done shows about all sorts of different topics. I've done lots of author interviews, which I love. Um interviewing various organizations of all different types, um, products, lots of uh, health and especially nutrition-related topics, uh, you know, pretty much all over the board as far as um, just anything dog-related. My expertise is in training and behavior, and that's what I do full-time when I'm not doing the radio show. Um, I'm also the owner of Sensitive Dog, and you can find me online at sensitivedog.com. And um, I do in-home private lessons for dog training and behavior. And, um, you know, it's interesting. My clients, I tend to have these, like, themes. Like, I'll have oh, several clients at one time that I, all of their dogs are uh, reactive on leash to other dogs. And it's, like, kind of like that's the thing that everybody's calling me about or, you know, something else. And... Uh, I've, I have a couple common things that I seem to be, I've sort of like noticed that I'm talking about like uh, frequently with different clients. And so I wanted to talk today about boundaries. And this is actually, I think, kind of a huge, a huge topic. So I kind of feel like, um, and in referencing my new glasses, just going to be sort of scratching the surface of this, uh, of this kind of topic, but uh, you know, boundaries and people's uh, challenge in setting boundaries with their dogs. Because that, in working with training and behavior, I mean, you know, everyone kind of jokingly, half-jokingly says, oh, isn't dog training really people training? Well, it's definitely, I would say, half of it. And so, you know, really talking about the human component of setting boundaries with your dog and what does that look like? Because I think one reason why people are so uncomfortable with it is because they think that it has to be uh, like some really harsh or negative sort of down on the dog kind of thing. And it's not or it shouldn't be. Um, but to I don't know, just kind of talk about this and like, what is it about boundaries? I mean, seriously, if people did not have problems setting boundaries with their dogs, I would not really have much to do as a expert in dog training and behavior and helping people, because that is like probably, I don't know, 75%, if not more part of the conversation in uh, modifying behavior. So I'm going to talk about that. I also have a lot of other stuff to talk about today. Um, Before we go to break, I want to thank very uh, heartfelt. Thank you to our sponsors. Um, All the best pet care. All the best food, treats, and toys for your dog and cat. You can find them online at allthebestpetcare.com. 
uh, huge supporters of this show. So do go to uh, all the best for your dog and cat needs. And uh, also Invisible Fence Northwest, also huge supporters of this show. You can find them online at InvisibleFenceNW.com to learn about their indoor and outdoor solutions for both dogs and cats. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. Yeah, this is the story of Fanny's dog. For the dog that chases its tail, we'll be busy. He's a happy dog. Rhythmic dog. Harmonic dog. House dog. Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to BioClean, we cover the world of living successfully with your animal friends. This week, August 4th, it's a Behavior Training and Healing Sunday with me. Since I've been out of the studio for two weeks now, we can catch up on all the animal-related happenings we've missed, plus open phone lines so you can call me. I've got answers. Let me help you resolve your animal dilemmas on Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Good afternoon, Seattle, and welcome to the Joker Show. I'm Joe Geno, live on Alternative Talk Radio. If you're going to have the Joker Show, you have to have on the town with Lisa. You know, there is a lot of blogging and twittering about Seattle Sonics. I think the expansion is coming sooner than we expect. And then at the 2 o'clock hour, man, we're going to talk booze. So we brought in a cool cat from the Three Point Production to talk about the event. Talking about a documentary. There's not any documentary. Talk about hip-hop, about the vibe of Seattle, and how it sort of progressed. We're talking food, sports, and fun every Friday, 1 to here on Alternative Talk 1150 with The Jopra Show. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's Dog Behavior Training and Nutrition Specialist www.sensitivedog.com Conscious Living for Conscious People Alternative Talk 1150 Time for something different Time for Alternative Talk 1150 Welcome back to the Dog Show with Julie Forbes Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit about boundaries uh, this is a sort of a recurring theme that I find myself talking about with my current clients and kind of have been for a while, which tends to happen. Now, when you talk about boundaries, are you talking about the kind of boundaries that, say, Invisible Fence provides? Or are you talking more of metaphorical boundaries? The boundaries that, uh, no, not, I mean, I'm talking literal boundary boundaries, mm-hmm. but... Um, the boundaries that Invisible Fence provide are um, spatial. Mm-hmm. So um, 
they're they're around the space and they're either inside or outside. They have this really advanced technology um, now where they can set boundaries for um, dogs, you know, to keep them away from specific areas. You can keep dogs just away from the cat's litter box and food. You can keep, you know, have certain rooms, maybe a, a child that might be allergic to the dog a, a little bit, maybe want to keep the dog just out of the child's bedroom, uh, keeping dogs out of kitchens, you know, stuff like that. Those are those are boundaries in in the environment. I'm talking about personal boundaries, boundaries with with you. And it is complicated. Mm-hmm. I should say people are complicated. <laughs> True enough. <laughs> and this is the difference. I mean, if you were to boil it, boil down one main thing, difference between dogs and people is our experience of setting boundaries. Because dogs, I mean, I've never met a dog that, you know, s- corrected another dog, you know, and, and by correct, I mean... You know, well, how do dogs set their own boundaries? Well, they use what they have. They don't need tools like, you know, squirt bottles and right. leashes and stuff like that. Dogs have what they need. And how effective they are at setting their own boundaries, and certainly there is a lot of variation in between dogs on this, it is all about their presence and how powerful they believe they are. Size does not necessarily matter in this, <laughs> in this situation. Uh, but they would, uh, you know, ways that a dog could back off another dog would be um, e- even something as subtle as a hard stare. Uh, like, don't come any closer because I've got a bone right now and I don't want you near me. And if depending on, you know, if the dog's relationship and all that stuff, that could be totally effective. If that doesn't work, then the dog may have to escalate. Maybe a low growl. If that doesn't work, maybe the dog has to snap. And if that doesn't work, maybe the dog has to snap and lunge and bark. And if that doesn't work, you know, so it escalates, escalates, escalates. Mm-hmm. A well-socialized dog and what I want to see, how I want to see a dog use aggression, because that is technically aggressive behavior, but it's also totally natural behavior. Dogs set boundaries. They all do. Um, so it's healthy aggression. And what I want to see, what I want, when I look for in dogs and what I want to see is, um, you know, is the level of correction that the dog is giving, is it fair? Is it appropriate? And is it the lowest level of correction necessary in, in order to be effective? Where you get into problems is with dogs is if a dog is overcorrecting. So in a situation where the dog you know, if maybe another dog is coming near a dog and the dog has a bone, for example, and um, the dog wants to kind of let that dog know, hey, you know, kind of give me some space. They might, like I said, just do a hard, a hard stare or a low growl. And ideally, that's all that they have to do. And the other dog's like, OK, no problem. I don't you know, I'm not going to try to take it. We're cool. But what happens if a dog just sort of walks by another dog with a bone and the dog with the bone goes and attacks the other dog? That would be, you know, a great example of an inappropriate and unfair, unwarranted correction that was at a level that was, you know, higher than it needed to be. Um, 
But I want to talk about people and their boundaries because, you know, I wish that I had a uh, a specialist like a maybe I'll have to arrange this in the future um, to get like a psychologist, a human psychologist, so we could talk about this and really get into it because people are, you know, what I'm noticing is that it's hard. People are uncomfortable setting boundaries with their dogs and I would assert to also in other areas of their lives. Um, but you can really see it play out with their dogs. And I think that there's some reasons. I think that there's some really, I mean, I think all the reasons are valid. Um, but especially as as far as a training, from a training standpoint, I, I was just talking with a client last night about, uh, we had just finished uh, one of the programs that I offer with my business, Sensitive Dog. Um, and that's for dog training and behavior here in the greater Seattle area and the east side, is, uh, you know, we just finished a five-week intensive uh, training program, which is one of the programs that I offer, where we meet three days a week for five weeks, five consecutive weeks. So it's a, you know, we're we're getting into it. We're going to adjust to this behavior. We're going to fix the problem as much as it can be fixed. And uh, it's probably one of the most, it's probably the most popular program that people go for. Um, And it's the most effective because it's the most intensive. I was talking to a client who I just finished with. And I was just asking her, um, you know, how did this line up with your expectation of what it was going to look like? And what she said to me was that it was actually a lot easier than she thought it was going to be. And I think that you know, she said that she had this idea that it was that the dog wasn't like it was going to be kind of down on the dog, you know, and like the dog it was like, OK, you know, we got to get hard on the dog. And and it, it has this kind of negative association to it. And I think that's one of the reasons why people resist it, because there is in the dog training industry as a whole, there has and I've talked a little bit about this before in the past, but there is this collapse between setting boundaries, giving fair, effective corrections. There's been this collapse between that and overly harsh, abusive methods and training, which, you know, you don't really see that much anymore, but it is still out there. Um, What you see more of, though, especially in Seattle, if you're listening in in another state, um, it may be different for you there. But I know for sure in Seattle... Most of the training facilities, um, especially in the city itself, are all positive. So there's no correction at all. All they're doing is focusing on the behaviors that we want, and we're not addressing the behaviors that we don't want. And there's nothing wrong with addressing the behaviors that you don't want. It's just a matter of, you know, really understanding how to communicate them in a way that the dog will understand, um, that the dog will understand without needing to feel afraid, without getting hurt. Um, But there's kind of this like fear of a powerful presence or something like that. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's it's causing a lot of problems uh, as I work with people, um, you know, and talking about, okay, well, where, where do you not have boundaries? Well, okay, so what does that look like? Easy one would be the dog jumps on you. That's a physical boundary. Um, the dog is um, 
intruding on your space in a way that's disrespectful. Dogs are very sensitive to space with one another. If you're ever watching two new dogs meet each other, um, you know, it's a kind of this dance of, okay, how are you moving in relationship to me? How, you know, do how much do I need to establish my space with you? Are, are you going to try to assert yourself on me? And if you are, and I don't want you to, and I don't believe that you have the right to do that, then I'm going to communicate that to you. Now, dogs do that all very easily and naturally, ideally. Well-socialized dogs, anyway. Well, people get all bound up about it. And, uh, you know, so there's the spatial boundary. Dog jumps all over me. I've had some people tell me that they've been told by other trainers to just ignore it. Or uh, I had one woman say that a trainer, I think I talked about this, this was years, a couple years ago, um, told her like six-year-old daughter to stand like a tree as the 80-pound dog jumped on her. And, uh, you know, she's going to be on the ground before she's able, you know, so it's just, yeah. it's not enough a lot of the times to just ignore it. We all know what dogs do to trees, too. So. Yes. <laughs> Seems like bad advice yeah. to me. but Stand like a fire hydrant. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's like there's just nothing wrong with giving a little bit of a correction here and there. Set the boundary. Well, sometimes people just don't have that information, and other times people feel really guilty about setting this boundary and... That's probably the kind of the juice of what I want to get to in this conversation is this sort of guilt around boundaries because dogs don't have that. Uh, they either do or they don't, or they're they're maybe not feeling like they're a very powerful dog. They may they may not be a very assertive dog, and therefore they will only set boundaries to a certain degree. But it's just the way it is. To my it's not my understanding that dogs experience this feeling of guilt, like, oh, set a boundary and then be like, oh, well, well, okay, you know, oh, I'm sorry. Or, you know, they're they're not afraid, I think, of what we are. So uh, when we come back from break, I want to talk a little bit more about that specifically. Why do people feel guilty about setting boundaries with their dog? We'll be back in just a few minutes with The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Electric Incorporated is a full-service electrical contractor. From simple home repairs to full remodels, new construction, and small commercial projects, our qualified electricians do it all. We pride ourselves on our workmanship and professional standards, delivered with value in mind. Located in historic Ballard, Kemley Electric serves the greater Seattle metropolitan area, licensed, bonded, and insured. Kemley Electric welcomes all inquiries about your electrical needs. Visit the website kemleyelectric.com. That's K-E-M-L-Y electric.com. Hi, I'm Pat Pauly. Tune into my show, Get Active, each Tuesday at 12 noon on Alternative Talk 1150. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about one of the wonderful activities in the Puget Sound region, ones that you may want to participate in. We'll focus on how adult beginners can comfortably get into all of these activities. You'll learn a lot about how you can get active. Be sure to listen. That's Get Active with me, Pat Pauly, at 12 noon each Tuesday on Alternative Talk. 
o'clock, 1150. Hi, I'm Martha Childress with the Natural Choice Network. Join us every Tuesday at 1230 p.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Each week, we invite leaders from our sustainable community to share their unique visions and valuable insights. You'll learn great tools to make your life greener, healthier, and more sustainable for generations to come. Thank you for making The Natural Choice. That's The Natural Choice Network every Tuesday at 1230 p.m. Please join us. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior training and nutrition specialist www.sensitivedog.com. The new mainstream of talk radio. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Eric, well done. Thank you. I'm a huge Madonna fan. <laughs> well, that song's about boundaries, isn't it? It sure is. Yeah. Uh, Madonna, maybe she could have incorporated a low growl and it <laughs> helps set that uh, I'm that sure border. she was talking about her dog in that song. It's entirely probable. Yeah. Maybe the, the record vinyl on the face of my new glasses frames is Madonna. It could be borderline. It could be borderline. <laughs> um, so we're talking about boundaries today and why are people often so uncomfortable setting boundaries with their dogs. This is something that um, I coach people in a lot in what I do uh, through my business, Sensitive Dog. And you can find me online for my training and behavior business, sensitivedog.com, working with people in Western Washington here, mostly Seattle and the East Side, although I've gone all the way up to San Juan Island before for dog training. Um, it's a conversation I have a lot with people and it can certainly look a number of different ways. Uh, one thing that I've noticed is, and it's mostly, uh, mostly with women that I notice this. Um, and that's kind of part of the conversation is, you know, why, why do people, are people so uncomfortable with setting boundaries with their dogs and then, you know, probably in in general or in other areas of their life as well. So, you know, I'd be curious. I posted posted this question on our Facebook fan page. And if you have ideas about this and you're a fan of the show on Facebook, um, comment and tell us your thoughts on this. Why do so many people feel guilty about setting boundaries with their dogs? Uh, what do you think? And uh, write your response. And you can find us on Facebook if you search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes and become a fan of the page and be a part of the conversation in between shows. So what is it about boundaries? Well, I think that um, in sort of analyzing the human psychology of boundaries, and again, I would love to have, maybe I'll I'll set this up for some time in the future, um, a psychologist or something to talk about um, 
you know, what is it about people and boundaries? But here's what I came up with. Um, one would be culture. Like I said, um, you know, most of my clients are women. Um, I think it's it's just, I think, more commonly the role that in a heterosexual couple that it's the, the woman is sort of the uh, the one who would uh, deal with uh, family issues like this, the dog being a part of the family. Oftentimes, uh, if I'm working with stay-at-home moms, you know, they're the ones that are home with the dogs during the day and actually spending all the time with the dogs. So they're the ones maybe impacted more. Not to say that I don't have a lot of male clients, because I do, but uh, do work definitely more with women. Culturally, are women really encouraged to have a powerful presence? Not so much. Uh, You know, more and more, for sure, as time goes on. Um, But I think part of it is culture. Um, You know, having a voice, having a strong voice, um, you know, not necessarily something that is uh, conditioned in girls and women as much as it is boys and men. So that's probably part of it as well. Um, Could it be, you know, regardless of male or female, could it be a reflection of the person's value or self-worth? Do I deserve to set boundaries? And again, I think that this is in general. I'm just talking about it as it pertains to their relationship with their dog, because that's what I work with and that's what I see. Um. I know something that I could relate to as I have matured and learned how to set my own boundaries in my own relationships. I know one thing that has come up for me is that I'm afraid that the and this is all, you know, mostly unconscious when when it's playing out, but that you're afraid that if you set a boundary that the person's going to leave. Um you know, so, you know, could that play out for people with their dogs? Yeah, I definitely I definitely think so, because people have an intimate relationship with their dogs. It's emotionally intimate for us. You know, how emotionally intimate it is for the dogs, not sure. But uh, I know we're certainly more complex than <laughs> complicated emotionally than dogs tend to be. I also do think that dogs do experience emotion. Um uh, people, I, I, um, I think, you know, something that I've heard, um, just, just before the show today, this morning, I had a, a female client telling me it's like this, uh, need to mother, uh, you know, uh, women maybe especially that don't have children and whose dogs are their babies. It's like, they want to take care of them. They want to take care of them. They want to give them everything that they need. And it's um, maybe excessive because, you know, you're also supposed to set boundaries with human children as well. Um, But, you know, it's sort of this like a a mother mothering instinct, like on overdrive or something like that. So the problem is that like when the dog like this dog in particular is whining for attention. And so then the people in their response to the dog reinforce the behavior. So then the dog is like now after this has been happening for like five or six years, the dog is like whining a lot of the time. And not only is that not desirable, but it's also not healthy for the dog because it's actually promoting the state of anxiety. Um, And this is a dog who also happens to have other, you know, some other behavioral issues, aggression um, has bit people, 
Um, you know, this, this is a, a very complex situation in general, but, um, you know, that's one of the things she just wants to give him everything. Very common, too. This dog came from an abusive past. So she adopted the dog at about eight months. The dog was um, beaten up by his previous owner when his owner got drunk. Um, so the dog has some sort of wiring issues, so to speak, from that trauma. Uh, but people often tend to overcompensate with dogs who have come from an abusive environment. And then they, they really shy away from setting any boundaries with the dog because they feel bad for the dog or they're af- they don't want to, um, m- you know, make the dog afraid. I mean, I totally understand this this way of thinking, but the thing is, is that that, that I, I have seen it a lot over the years um, that that can then just create problems because the dogs are like, oh, well, there's no boundaries now, so I'm just going to run with it. Um, dogs need boundaries. Dog dogs like boundaries. So do people. Boundaries are healthy. Uh, relationships with no boundaries are not healthy. Um, it's important to set boundaries, and I know that it's uncomfortable. And the thing again that I talked about at the beginning of the show is that I think a lot of people also don't know how. Like, well, what does that look like? Okay, my dog's jumping on me. I can't get him to stop. But what do I do? I get that I need to set the boundary, but I don't know what to do to do that. Um, And not only that, but that people, I think, maybe are nervous about reaching out to a professional trainer because they're afraid that it's going to be a really negative experience for the dog. And that it's going to like, oh, now I'm going to have to kind of have this militant relationship with my dog and I'm not going to be able to like that. I'm going to lose all of the loving sweetness cuddling that I have with my dog. And almost all the time, that's not the case at all. So it's really about understanding how do we as people set boundaries with our dogs in a way that the dog is going to understand as a dog. And the thing about dogs is that when you're looking at dogs with each other, dogs correct each other, dogs set boundaries with each other, and it's not a big deal. They just do it. You know, we're assuming we're talking about well-socialized dogs, um, they set the boundary and it's over. And they're fine. And then they may start playing again. I mean, I see that all the time in play. Dogs are playing, dogs are playing, especially if you have a younger dog. Uh, like we have a three-month-old lab puppy that we're raising right now for Darcy's, my partner's um, service dog training program. Um, she owns the company Healing Allies, H-E-E-L-I-N-G, Allies. And so we're trying out uh, puppy raising. So we have this little three-month-old yellow lab, JJ. He's uh, just a, he's a lovely dog. Um, we chose him from weeks old and, you know, temperament tested the litter and we know both of his parents and... He's uh, from a wonderful breeder down in Graham, Washington, Everland Labs, Stacy Parsons. And, um, you know, our dogs are teaching JJ some boundaries um, with them. You know, they might be playing, especially my little dachshund. Um, you know, she's he's bigger than her now. He's three months old. She's nine years old, but she's a dachshund. So she loves to play with him. All the dogs love him. But... Um, if he starts to get too rough or too too excited or too physical for her, she'll correct him and just be like, Hurrah! and back him off. And then it, it kind of, he stops and 
and then they kind of stop playing for a second and then they'll re-engage and start playing again and he's playing again a little bit calmer than he was before. So, you know, it didn't hurt his feelings and Leia also did not feel guilty about setting the boundary with JJ. It just is a communication. It's just clean. And so as much as we can bring that into setting boundaries with our dogs, one that tool that I find to be really effective in a lot of different situations there's a lot of situations that it's not going to work very well, but um, is a squirt bottle. Like, let's take jumping up, for example. Every time the dog jumps up on you in greeting, you have a squirt bottle kind of hidden behind your back. Maybe it's waiting outside your door. So you have it, and you come in, and then the dog runs up and jumps on you, and then you just pull it out from behind your back, squirt them. You aim for their mouth. It's just water. It's not going to hurt them. So you get them somewhere in the face, and you just quickly squirt them, tell them no at the same time as you squirt them, and then make the bottle go away. And then uh, the dog's like, oh. Now this is assuming that the dog does not really enjoy being squirted with water. Um, That's the point, is that it's something that makes the dog think about what they did that caused that reaction from the environment, or response from the environment, rather. That's it. If you do that consistently... And consistency is the key with boundaries. Um, The behavior goes away as long as it's an effective correction. And then it's over. I mean, and then, you know, we're not trying to teach the dogs in this case for jumping up. We're not trying to teach the dogs to not greet us or to not come over to us. It's just that there's a point where they cross a line. So come over and say hi to me and I'm going to pet you and praise you and you know, even better to be specific about what you're praising your dog for. So in the case of jumping up, you could tell them good off, good off. Off means all four paws on the ground. And you do it calmly. So you want to mirror, you want to role model the energy that you want your dog to have. If your dog is overly exuberant and greeting, don't come in and just start waving your arms around and squealing because that will get your dog uh, really riled up and it'll make it hard for them to stay calm and, you know, be mindful of their actions around you. Um, It's just a quick squirt. Nope. And then the dog's off. And then as soon as the dog's paws hit the ground again, good off, good off. Pet the dog, praise the dog. That's it. I mean, it's amazing. That is so simple, right? I just explained it in just a few minutes. It's, It's so hard for people to actually execute that. And I get it because, I I mean, I don't really enjoy doing it either. I get it. I'm human, too. I'm actually, like, super protective of dogs and a, a huge softy around dogs. And it also happens that what I do professionally is work with training and behavior and boundaries is a common conversation. So I get that it's not our favorite thing to do. But if you want to set the boundary, you got you to gotta set the boundary. So I don't think it's abusive. The dogs are not afraid. I'm not yelling at the dog. It doesn't mean that I hate the dog, that I'm mad at the dog. Nothing like that. It's just clean. Just communicate clearly and move on. And that's what dogs do with each other. And uh, it's just so hard for people to do that. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'll wrap up this boundary conversation and then talk about a couple other things as well. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. 
to share your life. Snuggle up in your bed, let your sweet smelling pillow ease my weary head. But your big dog was laying there, snoring loud as he pleased. I say, if I lay down with that dog, I'll get up and please. You said the dog was here first. That's what you told me. You said the dog was here first. Yeah, you said the dog was here first. If you don't like it, you can leave. Do you have an injury, old or new, that won't heal? Are you fighting a cold or illness you can't kick? Do you feel like you've tried everything and are still struggling to find wellness and balance in your physical health? Have you been unimpressed with acupuncture in the past? For over a decade, Robert Meduzia has been making a difference for people who thought they had exhausted their options. Don't settle for pain and illness. Call 425-828-6190. That's 425-828-6190. Again, 425-828-6190. The Acupuncture and Sports Clinic of Kirkland. Heal faster, play longer. Want a faster metabolism? Desperate for more energy throughout the day? Food is our most powerful medicine, and on Passionate Nutrition Radio, I'll answer your burning nutrition questions and offer real solutions for your family. On Passionate Nutrition Radio, you'll learn how to transform how you look and feel with the foods that you eat. My name is Jennifer Adler, and I'm a nutritionist, chef, and founder of Passionate Nutrition, a nutrition practice with six locations throughout the greater Puget Sound area. Join me on Passionate Nutrition Radio for a weekly serving of nutrition wisdom. Learn more at PassionateNutrition.com. That's Passionate Nutrition every Friday at noon. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior behavior training and nutrition specialist www.sensitivedog.com radio for your body mind and spirit alternative talk 1150 well you said this was your baby the only child you had your companion and your partner how could i be mad your dog was always with you <laughs> Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. So we've been talking today about boundaries and uh, just kind of getting into this, I think, very complex conversation. And it's complex because we're talking about human psychology. Uh, why do people have such a hard time with boundaries and setting boundaries with their dog? Uh, there's a f- number of reasons why. All valid. Um just to recap, I think one is that uh, people maybe just simply don't know what they're supposed to do. Like, I know I need to set boundaries with my dog. I hear this a lot. But I, you know, I don't know what to do. What do I do? How do I set the boundary with my dog? Um, I've seen people really feel uncomfortable about setting the bound- any boundaries with their dog. They feel so guilty about it. And... You know, I, like I said earlier in the show, I'd love to have a human psychologist here with me to talk about that phenomenon. Why do people feel so guilty about setting boundaries or why are people so uncomfortable about it? Is it, is it a, re- a reflection of their self-value? Is it, uh, are they afraid that 
if they set a boundary in general, uh, the, especially with people, it'll make the person go away. Um, culturally, too, for women especially, not really uh, raised, generally speaking, to have a, a strong voice, a strong presence, to set boundaries. Uh, it kind of has, has a negative connotation to that. I mean, after all, a dominant female dog is technically called a bitch. Does the word bitch have a positive connotation in used for describing a person? No, it doesn't. Uh, but really, for a dog, a bitch is a powerful female. So just interesting. If you missed any part of the show, you can uh, find us online in two different ways. You can listen to the show archived on our website, which is dogradioshow.com. All of our over 160 episodes are archived there. And you just find the episode that you want to listen to on the podcast page and click the play button right beneath that episode. And it will just automatically start playing from your computer and just make sure your volume is up. You can also download us for free on iTunes and just search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And you can download any of our episodes and then take them with you, uh, listen on your iPod um, or MP3 player and uh, do it that way or transfer it to, to a CD and listen in your car. So if you want to catch the rest of this show or any of our past over 160 episodes, you can find us online in two different ways. Um, so I got a question from an a old client. I've been training dogs now for uh, and people, as I was talking about earlier in the show, for uh, about 10 years. And I had a question from a client that I had probably seven years ago. Um, quick question. Yeah, she emailed me. Quick question. Typically they, and she means her two dogs, go to daycare twice a week, Mondays and then Thursday or Friday. They will congregate by the door one to 20 minutes before departure. How do they know it's Monday? So she's like noticing you know, Monday morning, the dogs are like, okay, let's go. And she's like, how do you know it's Monday? Well, um, a couple different things, you know, quickly off the top of my head. Uh, patterns of behavior. So dogs are very tuned in to patterns of behavior. They're also very tuned in energetically, emotionally, all those different types of things too. But, you know, generally speaking, um, if if it's still true, I assume this client still works Monday through Friday, um, you know, like kind of nine to five, probably um, gets up earlier in the morning on a work day on a Monday, which would follow two days of uh, a different kind of schedule. So the dogs are kind of like, I, OK, I know we're, we've been on a weekend schedule. Oh, now you're up early the first day. That means it is Monday. And uh, so now we know that we're going to daycare. So then they're going to wait by the door. Um, alarm goes off earlier. Alarm goes off at all. Maybe she doesn't get up to an alarm on the weekends. Um, she showers first thing. Uh, her energy is different because it's a work day and not a weekend day. That's for sure. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of different patterns of behavior that the dogs pick up on. And, um, you know, they know. Dogs know, I think, a lot more than what we typically give them credit for. They are aware of everything. 
and some dogs more than others. Um, some dogs are like super tuned in and kind of intense about it and like always watching. I know herding breeds tend to do that. I know my dogs, my herding breeds do that. But I think all dogs in general, they're super tuned in, which is like the whole point. We have these amazing relationships with our dogs that sometimes are challenging. Uh, they're intimate relationships. I know that they are for us emotionally, which ties into what we were talking about with the boundary discussion earlier in the show. Uh, but they get it, you know, they're aware of changes and things and, you know, they get it. I think that they're not generally given enough credit. So uh, I was uh, just real quick, you, know, you mentioned I Will Always Love You, Eric, and that song actually, when my first dog, Chewy, died um, a couple years ago, one thing that I did as part of my grieving process for him, which was intense for me, uh, he was my boy, I got him when... I was 20. He got me through my 20s. And uh, it was a um, very profound experience going, experiencing his death. Um, He was my partner in crime. And uh, so one thing that I did on the show is, and you can actually listen to the episodes around that. It was September of 09 uh, around my experience losing Chewy. To cancer. And uh, so, one thing that I did at the end of the shows is I played I Will Always. Well, that was one of the songs I'd play. I kind of played love songs for him, but you know, these just, just songs about how much I love him and mm-hmm. still do. And but now, every time I hear that song, I always think of him. And sometimes I wonder if it's like he's saying hi or whatever. And so, I was driving across I 90 Bridge yesterday, and all of a sudden, you hear Whitney come on. You know, and the song starts, and I'm not going to sing it, but, you know, it's like, huh, and it hits me, and I just, you know, start to well up and think of Chewy, and I just wanted to kind of acknowledge how profound the grieving experience is for us when we lose our dogs. It's something that's not valued as much as when we lose people. I think for some people it's even more intense. Um so I just wanted to mention that I saw, yes, I have some songs that remind me of him and I heard one yesterday. So whether that's his way of saying hi to me or not, I don't know, but definitely makes me think of him. So that's, that's it. We'll be back next week, next Wednesday, 2 to 3 p.m. live. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. So goodbye Please don't cry We both know I'm not what you You need And I Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, 
raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. Camley Electric Incorporated is a full-service electrical contractor. From simple home repairs to full remodels, new construction, and small commercial projects, our qualified electricians do it all. We pride ourselves on our workmanship and professional standards, delivered with value in mind. Located in historic Ballard, Kemley Electric serves the greater Seattle metropolitan area. Licensed, bonded, and insured. Kemley Electric welcomes all inquiries about your electrical needs. Visit the website kemleyelectric.com. That's K-E-M-L-Y electric.com. 